Well, tonight we're starting a new, a new series. Um, I've been talking about, you know, having a healthy soul for a million weeks, I know y'all think. And so we may go a million more on this subject. And we're going to talk about the Spirit-formed life. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit-formed life. That He wants to form our lives, not uh, just we get saved and that's it. But even from the moment we're saved, it's just the beginning. It's not the end. It is the beginning of God working in us and through us and forming us into his image. So we're going to talk about this tonight. It's part one. And how many of you have ever heard of Jack Hayford? Many of y'all heard of Jack Hayford? He is a mighty, mighty man of God, a general, we would say, in the, in the, uh, in, in God's army. Uh, he's, I don't know, is he in his 80s now? I don't know. Um, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, Jack had, um, you know, that's a Bible that he put together with lots of contributors, and he is a wise man of God. The King's University at Robert Morris's uh, church uh, gateway is was uh, Jack Hayford's Bible school that is now at uh, Gateway Church, and uh, it is just it, a powerful ministry of the Word. And I'm teaching from a book that I have of his called Living the Spirit-Formed Life. Um, Jack is a worshiper. He was, he is, a, has pastored. I don't believe he still pastors. He's passed it on now. A church in um, California and Church on the Way. He's written many worship songs that we have sung through the years, and he is just a man of integrity, a man of God. And, you know, I told Alan, I have books in my house. of Brother Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth E. Hagan, I don't know. He was uh, the father of Kenneth W. Hagan that you see on TV now. But men and women of God that are time-tested, tried and true, men and women of integrity, you know, I told Alan, I said, you know, the generals are moving on. Oral Roberts, the generals are moving on to heaven. You know, we have Andrew Womack still, yay, you know. And and God is raising up others. But there's some that we just learn from. And sometimes I just love to pull out, you know, my books that I studied long ago, just taking in the truths of the Word again that helped form my life and begin my journey in this spiritual walk with the Bible. I mean, it's books that are filled with the Word of God that, like Andrew's books, that just guide us and shape us. God has given us gifts into the body of which teachers and pastors and evangelists and apostles, you know, they're gifts that God's given us to mature us, to cause us to grow, to grow us up into Christ, to grow us up into maturity. So we're going to talk in the next few weeks about the Spirit-formed life. You know, it's not about forming our life. It's not that we form our life. The Holy Spirit forms our life as we yield to him. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit, he wants to do that. That's part of of what he's to do in our lives. Jesus said, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to be with you, to be in you, to fill you, to give you power, to lead you, guide you, to cause you to be born again the Spirit of God. So that's who the Holy Spirit, that's what He does. He forms our lives. You know, God's not so interested in educating us as He is in transforming us. And we need to get in the Word and we need to know the Word, but it's not just for head knowledge. It's not just so we can fill this part of us with knowledge and things that we memorize, although we need to memorize the Word and get it into our hearts. But God wants to transform us. He wants his words, I call it like this, to drop from here into here so it will change us. Any changes that have ever come in my life have not been by me trying harder, but by me allowing the Holy Spirit to form my life through his presence, through his word. And so we're just going to talk about it. We're going to be studying ten disciplines. And I know people probably don't like that word discipline, but you know what? There are spiritual disciplines that we need to walk in in order for us to grow. 
And we're going to talk about the first one tonight and just things that's not legalism, but it's things if we'll make it a practice, if we'll make it, uh, you know, nobody has to tell you now you need to get up in the morning and eat something or at lunch you need to eat or now supper, it's supper, you haven't eaten all day. You know, in a few days you're just beginning, oh, I need to eat something, you know. Well, it's that way spiritually. A spiritual discipline is eating the word and feeding yourself so that your spirit man can be strong. And so we're going to talk tonight about the first discipline. We're going to talk about it uh, so that we can experience ongoing transformation in our lives into the image of Jesus. We're to look like him, but we don't make us look like him. The forming, he forms us to look like him. The spirit-formed life is when we allow The Spirit of God to set the structure for our lives. You know, I was thinking a while ago um, about some things, and and the Lord said, you know, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and just onto the Lord and let the Lord take care of the stuff and just get our eyes on Him and say, Lord, what do you have for my life? What is it that you want for my life? How do you want to form my life? You know, we get our list and we get whatever. Now, Jesus, you need to do this and that and this and that. But, you know, why don't we just allow him to give it to us and to form it? I believe it will happen a lot faster if we'll do that. We're going to look at the first discipline of a spirit-formed life tonight, and this is it, that we are committing to hearing God's voice, that we commit to hear what God has to say to us. Now, that's simple. We know that. We know that. We know we need to hear God's voice. The Bible talks about it. We know, I need to listen to what God says. Well, we're talking about committing to hear God's voice. You know, people will ask me, what do you think I should do? Do you think I should this or you think I should that? What do you think? And you know what I say? I say, well, don't do anything till you know what he wants you to do. Too often we'll step out into something that, you know, we get impatient or we think, oh, I just need to hurry up and get this going. You know, time's running out. We'll just, and that's the tool of the enemy. He just tries to shove us out there to make us hurry up and not wait on God to hear what God would have, would say to us. But God wants to form our lives. He wants to lead us. He wants us to hear him and hear his voice because he knows the way. Believe it or not, we don't always know the way. We may think, and we might can see a certain distance, but we don't know the way of every day and what every day will hold. And we need to hear his voice, and we need to commit to allowing him time to speak to us. And um, how can I say this? Uh, I'll say it like practice his presence, but I'll say practice listening for him, being sensitive to hear What he is saying, not just at the beginning of the day when we wake up or when we have our time, but throughout the day, staying close, staying listening to what he would say to us. C.S. Lewis, Christian writer, man of God, said this. He said the real problem of the Christian life comes when people, where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up. Each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Anybody have that where everything just starts rushing at you the minute you open your eyes? And the first job each morning consists of simply in shoving them all back and in listening to that other voice, his, taking that other point of view, Letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in and so on all day. That's what C.S. Lewis says. We've got to push back all the other voices that try to make us hurry, crowd it, rush it, get it done, whatever. And push those back to let the voice of God and the life of God and the Spirit of God come in and begin to form us in our days. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice. Jesus is talking And I know them, and they follow me. So he said, we'll know his voice. You don't have to say, I don't know if I can hear God or not. I don't know. My sheep, when you belong to him, when he's your savior, you're his sheep, he's your shepherd, you will hear his voice. 
he will speak to you. And then, he says, my sheep follow me. To read and study God's word is to lay the foundation for all understanding and growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is how we get to know him. This is how we know who he is. And also, this Bible, these words, are living words that have not been given to us solely just for information and education and just for us to ponder it or think about it. But God wants to speak to us through his word to each one of us, his children, to teach us, to correct us, to lead us, to direct us, to keep us, and to protect us. He does it through his word. He speaks to us. He speaks many ways. He speaks the inward witness. He speaks the nature. He speaks to the prophetic word. But you know what? He speaks primarily through his written word to us. It's alive and active and full of power. And so for God to be able to speak to us, we need to learn to hear his word to us, his personal word within his word. You know, when I read the Bible, and I'm sure many of you can say the same thing, you'll read, and and sometimes it's just like you're just reading and you're understanding and you're knowing what you're reading. But then... The Holy Spirit quickens part of it. He uh, lightens it and brightens it and just makes it come alive to you. And you go, whoa, wait, i got to stop right there. i got to meditate on this. i got to think about this. i got to let this soak in. God is speaking to me. Maybe about a circumstance. Or maybe he's encouraging you. Or maybe he's just telling you, you know, I'm taking care of you. Everything's going to be okay. Listening for his word to you, his personal rhema word, the word that comes alive to you within this word. God wants to do that. He wants you to receive the prophetic intent of the Holy Spirit that breathes truth through his word to us into our hearts so that it can transform our lives. My life has been transformed through the word of God, through it permeating my heart, through it coming from here to here. Learning God's Word, it can bring intellectual knowledge. You can memorize, you can study it, you can read it, you can know the books, you can know things about it. And it will bring intellectual knowledge through information. But hearing God's voice, when you hear His voice in His Word, it will bring experiential knowledge to you through transformation. It becomes personal to you. It's not just words. They come alive. And the Bible says of itself that they are are seeds that come into you and they grow up in you. Fruit. They bear fruit in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says this. And all of us, as with unveiled faith, because we continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, We are constantly being transformed into his very own image. That's what's happening to you as believers. You are constantly being transformed into his very own image. In ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. Because this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. To me, that ought to excite you. Walking with God is exciting. It's transforming. It changes take place things happen he does things in us and to me it just stirs you to just say tell me more tell me more lord do more in me to me it makes you hungry to want to draw close to drink from those waters that he provides so i encourage you tonight as we're talking to receive this first This first spirit-formed discipline, the first discipline of the spirit-formed life, receive this word. Receive this uh, encouragement from the Lord so that you can experience ongoing transformation into the image of Jesus. Committing to hearing his voice will bring transformation in your life. I, I can say In my life, when I began, I didn't understand anything 
you know, I, I can remember the first prophetic word, and that just means a word that God is speaking to me through someone else that is uh, bringing encouragement and, and edification and exhortation to me. I remember the first time it was spoken to me through Wanda, Rick's mother, and when she said it, she said it to me, and I thought, huh? I didn't get it. But as I allowed the word to begin to grow in me by allowing, committing to hearing God's voice in the word, I began to gain understanding and revelation. And it began to be open to me by the voice of the Lord through his word of what he was saying. And that's what it's line upon line. It's step upon step. It's not just all at once. You know why? Because God wants an ongoing relationship with us. He wants us to walk with him and develop that relationship like we do with friends or in marriages. God doesn't just want to drop us off from the bus and say, see you in heaven. You know, salvation bus, you're dropped off. Pick you up when it's time, you know. That's not what he does. He says, I I want you to walk with me. I've got lots for you. I am transforming your life. And you know what? The way my life started, it looked like you are going nowhere fast, girl. But when God gets a hold of our lives, when we yield and give our lives to him, the transformation begins. And we can have as much as we want. We can allow him as much access as we want to. And that's what he's asking us to do and encouraging us to do and telling us to do. Commit to hearing my voice so I can lead you and guide you and transform you and show you the way. Where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow or the next day or the next. It's not where you're going to stay spiritually. And because it's not where you stay spiritually, it affects every aspect of our life. It's not just the spiritual life. Being born again affects every portion of our life. And it's very exciting. We want to have ears to hear. So we want to begin with sensitizing yourself to hearing God. As Brother Lawrence says, practicing the presence of God, practicing listening for God, practicing taking your thoughts to him and saying, Lord, this is what I'm thinking, but what do you think? What do you say about this? What would you want in this? Is this the right direction where I'm thinking, or do you want to say something else? It's listening. It's saying, I'm thinking of a way, but I want your way. And that's causing you to be sensitive to hearing from him. It's demonstrating that you want to know his way. In Mark chapter 4, we can see Jesus' lesson on listening. He talks about it throughout Mark chapter 4. And the principal truth we see in this passage is the absolute importance of hearing the words of the Bible because this is God speaking to us. You know, a lot of people, I've told you all, I went to church all my life. Well, since I was two and a half, I went to church. I did not know the importance of reading. I didn't know I needed to be born again. I didn't know I needed to receive Jesus. I didn't know he wanted to be my Savior. I didn't know I needed to be saved. And I didn't know I needed to read the Bible. I I go into church, I don't ever recall. I know you're, you're probably thinking, well, how dumb are you? Why didn't you just know to do it? I don't know. I didn't. Maybe I was just spiritually blind. The enemy blinded me. Sin blinds you. Being separated from God, there's a veil of you. You're blinded. You don't see. You don't know. I mean, I didn't. I even took New Testament in college. New Testament survey. I made a D. I was not born again. I didn't understand that. What? Pitiful. Isn't that pitiful? That's pitiful. But I did. I didn't know it. I I didn't get it. I wasn't born again, so it didn't. It didn't, anyway, my fault, but anyway, I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to show you a transformed life that you can go to making a D in New Testament survey to, to teach in the Word, okay? That's what I'm trying to show you. I didn't do this. I didn't, ask, I didn't ask to do this. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying God's got a plan for each of our lives, and he wants to form it, and he, but our part is to cooperate with him, and the first thing you've got to do is commit to hearing him. Because if you're not hearing what he's telling you, or you're, then you're just going to stay where you are. Or you're going to go your way. And it's not going to end well. We need his voice. The hearing 
that Jesus teaches us, though, in the Word has much more to do with an attitude a Christian disciple must have than it does with one's ability to hear the sounds of words and understand their meanings. I'm talking about being a disciple. I'm talking about being a follower of Christ is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about wanting to grow in Christ. And so hearing, when the Bible talks about it's more than just getting the definition of a word or understanding a principle. It's more than that. I want to read James chapter 1, verse 19. In the, um, in the Passion Translation, right quick. Talk about the word. Oh, my goodness sakes. Okay. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. It's talking about, it's talking about the word. He said, My dearest brothers and sisters, this is James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, take this to heart. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure in all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Talking about God's word. Verse 22. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. Verse 23. If you listen to the word and you don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply in the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear. And they're strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. And it's saying here, if you'll be a doer of the word, if you will hear it, if you'll let it come into you, you'll be blessed. In all that you do. I wanted to read a footnote here that says, um, let me see which one I wanted to read. When he says in here, talking about the, when he talks about that you look in the mirror, uh, the reflection of your face in the beginning, um, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. And here in their, in their footnotes it says, um, He says he's studying the face that he was born with when he's beholding the mirror. And it says, for the believer sees the man in the mirror. He's seeing how God sees us from the beginning, even before the fall of Adam. He's man in the mirror is the new creation. man, And that's how God wants us to see us, to see ourselves, letting who God says we are, letting that be our mirror through his word and letting it come into us and begin to form us. In Romans 10:17 it says, "So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God." In the Passion translation it says it this way, "Faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one." And so when we hear the word, it requires a response. You know, the first time someone offered or spoke to me, I would say, personally, about the Lord, um, I didn't, I, I heard their words, but I did not respond. I let them, I let the words come in, but I did not respond. And so it was a few years later that I was saved because when I heard the words that evening, I responded. And so when God's word comes to us, there's a response that we need to make. These passages in James and Romans show that hearing has to do with a person's willingness. When we say we hear, God says hear. Let them that have ears hear. Hearing has to do with our willingness to be changed by what we are hearing. It's a living faith. It's not just a belief, that the, but the power to see things changed. Power that comes 
from this kind of hearing. When we hear, faith comes by hearing. It's not just something that rolls off of us. We take what God says and we just begin to ponder on it and let it come in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. We allow the word to come in. We don't just let those words just fall off us. Fall off of us. We let them penetrate us. Our willingness to be changed by the truth of the word of God determines our ability to see things changed around us by the power of applying the word's promises. You know, if if you're just closed, some people, um, they're just closed to what God wants to say. They're not going to let him in that area. And therefore, they don't let the word in and they just keep the door closed. And so they don't walk in. Well, it doesn't mean that they're not saved. Maybe they're saved, but God wants to bring them into greater blessings. But if they're closed to what he wants to do, he can't do it. We have to have an openness. When we hear, we have to be open to God working. So I want us to look at Jesus' teaching about truly hearing the word, which is the foremost way that he speaks to us is through his word. So I want to look at Mark chapter 4. Verses 21 through 25. We're going to read this and then, um, and then we'll go back above it in a minute. In these, in these verses, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, uh, he's just, before this he's talked about the parable of the sower, sowing the word. And now he's given them another parable and he's saying, Uh, No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under the bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there's nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there's no secret that won't be brought out into the light. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. And then he said to them, Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. God likes it when you long to understand. He likes it when you come and say, Lord, show me. I don't understand this. Show me. For those who listen, verse 25 of Mark 4 says, For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. So I want to talk about, about these scriptures a minute. Because uh, Jesus is talking to these followers and he's talking to us. And in using these parables, he's, he, these picture stories, he didn't want anybody to miss the point. And he's telling them, if you don't get the point, ask. He said, if you don't understand, ask. Ask for understanding. He wants his disciples to listen. He wants us to listen, to learn, to understand with clarity. Jesus is telling them there isn't anything that's been a secret until now that I won't reveal to you. I want you to know. But do you know it takes time to listen to the Lord? It takes time to get quiet enough and still enough to just focus on him and allow him to speak to us. He has a lot of things he wants to say and to help us with. But it takes time. We have to still ourselves. In verse 23, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Having ears to hear, again, means more than just hearing sounds. It refers to the person's receiving and responding to what he or she has heard. You know, um, Remember what Mary said after the angel spoke to her, the angel Gabriel, and he began to tell her, now this is going to happen, and this is, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to bear the Son of God, you know, all this stuff. He told her all of that. And what did she say to his word? She said, be it unto me as you have spoken. So see, Mary had a response to those words. You think she ever understood everything that he said? You think she got that? I don't think so. Anybody ever seen that done before? Uh-uh. Anybody ever heard of doing that? Uh, I don't think so. But she positioned herself to receive what he said and to respond back through her words. 
And so even when you read things here that you know God is saying, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, this is what I've done, this is what i paid for. Just say, be it unto me. Reveal to me. Make it a reality in me, Father. Grow me in this. Transform me in this. He's got so much he wants to do and speak to us. In verse 24, Jesus warns. He says, take heed what you hear. He says, be diligent to understand what you hear. Give, give time to it. He says, because only to the degree you hear, only to the degree that you receive and respond, will you be able to experience what God has for you. When I read my Bible, if I rush through it, if I'm just reading and I'm just reading and I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I've got some things I've got to do, but I want to get in the Word I'm reading. Anybody ever done it like that? You're just kind of reading. It doesn't go in. It, you know, it, it just kind of, you read it, and that's good, and that, that's good. And, you know, we can all, when we sit down to a meal, just scarf it down, <laughs> you know, so to speak. But if we'll sit and we'll take time and just let him speak to us. You know, you can, in five minutes, in five minutes of, me, of just turning your face toward him through his word, you can be filled up with his presence and his spirit-forming power coming in you. doesn't have to be days on end or hours on end, but just that quieting of Lord, I want to hear you. I ask you to speak to me as this day begins or throughout the day or at the end of the day or all of it because... He wants you to receive and respond. He wants you to read it, read it and say, that's mine. That's what God's doing in me. Or read it and say, Father, I thank you. That's what you're doing in my kids. Or Father, I thank you. That's what you're doing in my body. You're healing me and making me whole. Father, that's what you're doing in me. He wants us to take these words and just allow them to go in us and begin to do and move and form what he's made it to do. We have to respond to the truth. In the Amplified Bible, it says it like this. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. That's how it says it, that we give thought and study to it. We don't just say, oh, that was a good scripture for that day and run on to the next one. We ponder it and we let it become part of us and let it form us. The issue is that we must respond to truth, not simply learn it as head knowledge, not just simply uh, spit off ten scriptures that we've memorized, but let it go from here into here and throughout us and throughout our lives. The Lord finishes this by saying in verse 25, He said, Those who listen with open hearts, willing to receive and respond to the truth, the Holy Spirit reveals to him, or her, if you'll do that, he said, you'll receive more. The more you open to him, the more you'll receive. It's a never-ending journey. And then he says, but those who don't listen with open hearts, those who are capable of hearing this but don't respond, will eventually lose what they originally had. God is saying, I want you to have all that I have for you. Jesus is warning us, saying there's a danger of being around the Word and yet not responding to it. It can be so dangerous to people that are offered, like me. I was offered salvation, not in so many words, the first time someone spoke to me in my life. But I didn't respond, and I didn't allow it to go further. Like she wanted to bring it. I didn't. What if I would have died? It would have been extremely dangerous for me because you know what? I would have died outside of the Lord. The word was coming my way, but I was not responding to it or receiving it. It can be very dangerous to our lives. But God wants us to respond and allow the word not just to fall on our ears, but to come into our hearts. Because it's not optional pieces of information. But it's required hearing for our personal change if you want to change. You know, if, you, you know, if you're happy with just staying the way, way it is, you know, you're saved, you're going to heaven, that's great. But I like the exciting spirit-formed life because God changes us and makes us new 
He's the one that does it. We don't do it. He does it. It's never, ever boring. So the first discipline we're talking about is committing to hear God's voice. We're to discipline. You know, you know, we talk about eating right. You know, that's a discipline, to eat right, to, to make yourself eat what would be better for you, what would be healthier for you, not legalistic, but just some, make a few changes that would help you. Those are called disciplines. That's a structure in our lives. It's not legalism. We don't have to. You know, we don't have to do this. When you're born again, you can go right on to heaven. But if you want to live a victorious, joyful, peace-filled life, this is the life, the Spirit-formed life. Letting Him do this. Letting the living Word speak into us. We're to discipline our souls toward being receptive and responsive when He speaks. You know, every time we hear a sermon, or we open up the Word, or we turn on, on our phones and listen to a message, we need to tune our spirits, our souls, our hearts, our minds to a readiness to be shaped, to be taught, to be corrected, to be advised, to be directed. But if we come with a closed mind, a closed agenda, you know, in a voice, oh, you know all this. Oh, you already heard all that. Oh, you know all that. Very dangerous place to be. We don't know it all. We'll never know it all. We never will. But if we come close like that, and if we just think, uh, another preacher, then we're on the brink of a distinct path toward spiritual bankruptcy. We won't be flowing. We won't be flowing in the things that God has for us. A spiritual life without discipline is impossible. You know, I can say that the growth I've had in my life comes through His Word and studying His Word and allowing Him to form it in me and to walk in the things that He shows me. And that takes a discipline, you know. Our carnal nature wants to go its own way. Well, I'd rather do that, God. You know, God, that's uncomfortable. I'd really rather be doing this instead of that. There is a discipline to it. But we've been given the spirit of power. We've been given the spirit of discipline in our lives. Again, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about a spirit form life where we avail ourselves to the things of God. And I'm talking about the ways in which we do that. The practice of a spiritual discipline, like committing to hearing God's voice through His Word or through the inward witness or through others, makes us more sensitive to the gentle voice of the Spirit of God. You know, um, <laughs> I heard uh, a man on TV today, and I thought, I would know that voice anywhere. Because I've heard it quite a bit on TV. And this man has a distinct voice. So when I hear it, I thought, mm-hmm, that's him. I don't have to go in there and look. That's him. But, you know, it comes because I have familiarity to me. It comes because I've heard that voice. I've heard that. And that's the way it is with God speaking to you. When you avail yourself to hearing God's voice, and the more you do and the more you do, the easier you'll hear it, the, the more uh, readily you'll pick up on him speaking to you because it's become a discipline. It's become a habit that you have turned your life like the satellite dish to pick up the signal, you've aimed your life toward the signal of God to say, I want to know what you have to say on this. I, I got a few thoughts, but what's important is what you have to say and tuned our ears to what he wants to bring us. Jesus calls us to discipleship, to following him, not just to gathering for miracles. And not just gathering, oh, well, you got saved, boom, that's it. Again, the bus will be back when it's time. No. It's a journey. It's growing. You've only just begun. In Mark 4, verse 20, Jesus describes the certainty of a holy fruitfulness whereby when we respond to the Word of God with an open heart and a receptive spirit of availability to be taught for a whole lifetime, we, will, we, we are going to uh, receive more and more and more. In verse 20 of Mark 40, that's when he's just given the parable 
of the sower sowing the word. And he's talking to the disciples about the meaning of that parable. You know, he gave it to them and they said, first he told it in a parable. And then the disciples said, well, what does this mean? And then he told them the meaning of the parable. And then he goes on to say, um, he's telling them, you know, when he tells them the meaning, he's telling them, he warns them not to to let the seed of truth fall on a barren heart or on a stony attitude or on just a, a weed-riddled life or mind that's so preoccupied with everything else, uh, temporal things, that we lose sight of the eternal things. He's warning them and telling them and telling them that's what it, it's talking about. And so I want to read that, and then we're going to go into verse 20 to see what the Lord says about, about what happens. When we open ourselves to the Word of God. In in Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, this is what it says. Here he's talking. He's given, he's, he's told a parable, and now he's explaining the parable to him. And he's talking about when the farmer, the sower, he says, when he sows the seed, the Word is the seed. And he says, and what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the word, but immediately Satan appears and he snatches it from their hearts. Did you know the enemy wants to take, when God sows his word into your life, the enemy wants to steal it. Does that tell you how powerful God's word is? That the enemy would want to come to take it? He didn't want you acting on it. He didn't want you responding to it. He doesn't want you to have a transformed life by the Spirit of God. He wants to take it out. He wants to tell you, ah, that's stupid. Ah, that doesn't mean anything. Ah, it's not working. Whatever he can say to you to pull that word from you, he's going to try. But you've got to be smarter than the devil, wiser than your enemies, the Bible says. God makes us wiser than our enemies. You've got to know his tricks. And when he tries to pull that, you say, uh-uh, I'm going to think about it 30 more minutes. I'm going to talk about it. I'm, going to, I'm even going to memorize. This thing's going in. But when the sower sows the word, that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to steal the word. He tries to snatch it from their where? Hearts. From our hearts. The seed sown then on gravel represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word... They don't endure for long, for when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. So there's another life. And, you know, we got gravel out here in the back. That grass does not grow very well in that gravel. It's trying, and it's growing a little. But, man, gravel is not the best soil to plant in, you know. It's hard for those roots to get down in there. And so when the the seed's just sown and then trouble starts coming, it just tries to make gravel in our hearts, so to speak, to where the word can't get rooted in. But you've got to push all that out and let that good soil be formed in your hearts. And then verse 18, and the seed sown among thorns, then there's a thorny heart, represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life. And the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it doesn't produce anything. They're hearing the word, but the cares and the desire for other things begins to choke it out and makes it not grow up. The response isn't there. They turn their eyes away from the Lord to the things of the world. And so the word can't grow in and produce what God wants to produce it. But in verse 20, yea, and this is us, this is what I say, this is who we are. It says, but the seed sown on good soil. So because the seed isn't sown on all bad soil, it's sown on good soil as well. Represents those who open their hearts to receive the word. You know when you hear the word, whether it's on the radio, whether it's through a song, whether it's through teaching or ministering, say, Lord, I open my heart to your word. Plant that heart. Make my heart good soil to receive that word. Because those who open their hearts to receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. That's what happens when you do that. Your lives bear good fruit. And it says some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times more than was sown. And so you see what the Lord promises here. He promises a harvest of 
30, 60, 100 times more than even what's been sown into your lives. It means that more is harvested than what you even planted. He grows it even more. Hey, what a deal. This is our Lord Jesus talking about his truth manifesting in fruit in the issues of our life, in our experiences. He says, you sow that in. You let that come in. You respond with an open heart to my word, and it's going to do this in your life and through your life. It's God saying, if you keep an openness to my word, there will always be fruitful harvest of that word's promise. And there will always be power in your life and circumstances. And it comes through the word. There's a scripture that says, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks down the rock of most stubborn resistance? You've got something going on in your life or the life of your loved ones? Begin to allow the word to come in and be sown and see the fruit. You'll see the fruit, the harvest of that going out into your life, into their lives. Because God's word's alive and active and it's full of power. It'll do what God sends it to do. And you know the scripture, it sounds like, so let's don't make the mistake of thinking like this, that a 30, 60, 100 is a figure that is predestined for some of us uh, to have like a small measure and others a medium measure and others a greater measure. It's, that's not what it's meaning. Jesus is pointing to promising increase. What he's talking about is increase in our lives. So you could receive, you could read Mark 4.20 like this. In the spirit that Jesus means it, he, you could say, he's saying this time you may only have a 30-fold return. You've received and you may have a 30-fold return because maybe you're understanding, maybe you're new, you're starting out, your revelation is limited, your response is limited. But if you keep an openness to my word and my spirit, you'll find a constant increasing as seed-sowing cycles continue. There are seed-sowing cycles and they will continue and you will increase in that harvest of blessing in your life. The Lord's telling us you're headed for an eventual hundredfold increase of grace, purpose, and blessing on your life if you'll keep an openness. But you know, when things don't happen just like that, the enemy wants you to say, well, I tried that. Well, that didn't work. Well, I thought God was going to do this, but he did. Keep an openness to the voice of God and to him speaking to you and him moving and doing things in your life. The Bible says what? You will reap if you faint not. If you don't get weary and well-doing, you'll reap if you faint not. The enemy wants to get you to faint and get you to let go before harvest time. But harvest time is coming. Not because we're going to produce it, but because we're just open to the Lord. We're allowing him to form our lives. We're allowing him to plant in us through his word, through the, his voice in his word. And it will bear fruit. He promises it. Do you believe him? Do you believe what he says? It ought to excite the tar out of you. <laughs> Whatever that is. It ought to excite you. Because it's unlimited what the Lord can and will do in your life if you'll allow Him. The primary message is this. God's Word's been given to increase growth, fruitfulness, and blessing both in and through your life. That's His Word to you. And it's only as you and I remain open to it, teachable, shapeable, and responsive, listening with a heart that's ready to be taught and to obey, that that fruit will appear and increase. We have to stay open and not get discouraged and not think, well, I've asked and he hasn't shown me. I don't understand. He'll show you. When it's time, he'll show you. He'll help you. He'll let you know. Every time the words, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, occur in the New Testament, do you know who's speaking those words? Jesus. Every time you see those, he's saying them. So it's not a casual expression that he's saying that. The Son of God is saying to us, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, don't ever close your ears or your heart to your need to be taught, to your need to hear what he has to say, to your need to respond to what God wants to say to you. Don't ever close your ears to him. It's the key to growth, to fruitfulness, 
into the joy of a multiplied harvest of God's blessing in your life. You may say, well, they're just walking in blessing. I don't know what's wrong with my life. Are you given opportunity to allow God to speak and to sow into you his word? Are you cultivating an atmosphere, a grant? You know, when I get ready to plant something, like I got these little hanging baskets or these little pots and stuff, through the winter, stuff kind of dies back and I plant new stuff. Well, I don't just go in there with all that old junk in there and, and just that all hard. So I get in there, I pull out the old, I chop it all up, I pour in some little plant food, water it, get it all ready, and then I plant. So I'm just saying that to say, cultivate your heart. Plow it up. Let God soften you so that those seeds can come in, maybe through worship, through just reading his word and telling him you love him and thank you for speaking to me. You know, the enemy will tell you, oh, God's not speaking to you. Oh, you can't hear. Yes, you can, because he says you can, and he wants to speak. Your part is just to be responsive and to expect him to speak to you. How we listen will determine it all. Jesus not only taught that sheep will know the shepherd's voice, but he declared, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. He asserted that receiving his word, responding to it, in every, is every bit as essential as just recognizing it. We have to respond. If we as the Lord's sheep don't listen, we're not going to know where he's going, are we? If you don't follow the shepherd, we're not going to know where he's going and we're not going to be where he is. He lives in us, but I want to be in the middle of what he's doing. And I want to be in the middle of what he wants to do in my life. Because it's not only for me, but it's for others. Where we are and the place, the destinies that God has, not only affects us, but everyone around us. God knits this all together. So it's so important to hear him. The spiritual discipline of committing to hear God's voice helps us to experience ongoing transformation as we live the spirit-formed life. And it's fun and it's exciting. Father, we just thank you. It is never boring with you, Lord. Every day, every day, all throughout the day, Lord, you have things you want to say to us. You want to lead us. You want to guide us. You want to fill us. You want to bless us. The psalm says that you daily load us (laughs) with benefits. But, Father, we need to listen. Because you're speaking. You're, you're endeavoring to direct, to point us in your direction of blessing. So, Father, I thank you for giving us ears to hear and hearts to receive. I thank you, Father, that we do hear your voice and we do follow. And, Father, we declare that we are committing to hear your voice. We're committing to look unto you. And I thank you that as we do, the Holy Spirit will form our lives into your very image.